Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics and let me preface that to the listeners that might be new that is how we start all of our shows sometimes the excitement is fake news if you will today it's half and half tonight we look at positives that we have three major sports thriving in a sense except for your st louis cardinals on the baseball side we'll get to that And unfortunately, though, the non-exciting part is that one sport is getting body parts cut off in a Monty Python-esque sort of way, and we wonder if the sport as a whole will survive only a flesh wound or if this will eventually take it down completely. I'm, of course, talking about college football and the future of what the 2020 season will look like if there will be one, if it will maybe get pushed to the spring, if it will have to get canceled altogether. There's been a slurry of rumors for the past several days. Finally, today on Tuesday, we get some ultimate answers from first the Big Ten and then the Pac-12, both deciding that they will cancel fall sports and hope to continue them in the spring. The other three conferences are still moving full steam ahead. The ACC, the SEC, and the Big 12 say they have enough in front of them where they are comfortable moving forward as of this moment, and we'll see what happens. Just a huge blow-up of a day if you're a college football fan. Wherever your allegiances lie for teams or conferences, it's quite the time in college football And it's hard to argue both sides, the even sides. There's so many different points to this. We'll try to hit as many as we possibly can, different angles as to why this happened. But on its face, we should just start with your thoughts, Al, now that we have two of the five power conferences opting out of the season, breaking away in a sense from this fists that for whatever reason people think the power five have even though it's the farthest thing from it and here we are now with our fingers crossed that the other three conferences whether rightly or wrongly can continue on and maybe touch a football field in september this has been a mixed bag from the very beginning and our biggest concern was always with respect to college football because of the fact number one Obviously, the great contact element of football, unlike baseball, basketball, yes, a contact element. But when you can take the teams and you can do what you've done via the NBA and totally restrict their access to the outside world and put them in the fictitious bubble, so to speak, but realistic in terms of contact with others, which is what the NBA has done. And so far, successfully, we saw hope. With college football, we don't see hope because we have college kids on college campuses, 100-plus per major college team, living on campus, in dorms, interacting, without masks, probably without too much social distancing, and that's when they're not even on the football field. Then when they're on the football field, they're in constant contact, of course, not wearing masks, not distancing, of course, as required by the sport. So how can we help but have a spread of the virus throughout college football? How can we preclude that from happening in any way, shape, or form? I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea. So is the notion play through it? 
is the notion deal with it is the notion isolate these kids and continually test them. I've heard arguments on both sides. I heard a very good argument tonight, which was put forth under the scenario of, look, if the concern is the kids, the kids are going to get the best possible care under the guise and care of the doctors who take care of the teams. They're most closely monitored, monitored by their coaches, by their doctors, by their trainers versus being out there on campus or out there at bars or out there at parties versus being much more restricted by their coaches and by their doctors and by their trainers if they're willing to abide by that and be almost in a team, so to speak, bubble, regardless of where they are. But then there is still travel. How are they going to arrange for that? There, it's, it's an infinite amount of issues to be dealt with. But they want to play. And in the South, you know they are desperate to play. And I'm not saying this in terms of a bias, but college football is king. It is fact. In the Southeast, Southwest, Texas, etc., we know in the Southeast, the SEC, the ACC has climbed aboard and joined them. I truly believe, and I said this a few weeks ago, after I heard Commissioner Sankey on your station, one of your stations where you work, uh, on Mad Dog Radio, after I heard him on in, in a terrific interview with Adam Shine, I believe, I said it then, I will say it again, even if they're the only one, that the SEC will play college football this season. If they are the bellwether, if they are the lone wolf, they will kill it in terms of TV ratings, and they will be the ones that will carry the flag for college football, carry the torch for college football. If they're the only one, they couldn't care less. They will, they will do it proudly, and they will do it under the scenario where this is what we do. Our kids want to play. The parents of our kids are okay with our kids playing. We're going to do everything we can do to protect them. And if they come down with the virus, we're going to treat it. And we're going to, everybody's going to do the best they can to deal with it. But this is what we do, and we're going to do it. Now, I assume this won't be done with all the appropriate waivers signed by each and every one of these players because there's no way these colleges are going to take the risk of these players going out there, playing, getting sick, and suing at some point in time. If they get the virus and, God forbid, have terrible after effects at some point in time, closely down the line or way down the line on grounds that they played, the school let them play. The school encouraged them to play. They knew the risk, and the school knew the risk. And despite it, they sent their kids out there. So it's a it's an incredible. In, in, this is you're dancing on the head of a pin. It's as simple as that. You're know, walking a fine line, whatever term you want to use. It is so difficult since this virus is. We know so little about it, except we know it spreads like wildfire. We know it doesn't cause great damage for the most part, to people of the age of college athletes who are mostly healthy guys. But what do we do with the kid who is a star and he has a respiratory issue? What do we do with the kid who has allergies? What do we do with the star player who's got asthma? What do we do with him? What do his doctors do with him? What do his parents do with him? All TBD. While everything else rolls on, while Tampa, and the Columbus Blue Jackets play five overtimes tonight in the first game of their seven-game series in the NHL, while the Yankees roll on with another home run derby, charge on a pace to hit about 80 in a 162-game season, while the Mets roll on and lose 2-1, to one. while my Car Cardinals continue to be only dead even in the loss column with the Cubs at 2-3, and three, and, you know, only 20 games knocked off their schedule. And they're going to have to play, you know, 55 games in six days. College football ponders within itself what it is going to do. And, folks, it's incredibly intriguing. It's what the pandemic has put upon us. It's brutal from a sports fan point of view to think about your Saturdays being empty. Although, knowing the NFL, they'll fill it up with NFL football. Because everybody who's a sports fan 
loves college football. They love the emotion of it. They love the competition. They love seeing the stands filled with rabbit fans, the tailgating, the pregame, the Saturday morning game day with ESPN, which is an absolute classic. And look, it, it is all around the country, but we know it is central, front and center, focus, SEC, LSU, you're betting national champs. Alabama, you're forever kingpin. Clemson in the ACC. You just look around and around, and they all have steadfastly said they want to play. And now it's three out of five because you have heard and reported that the Big 12 has said so far they are on board. For our listeners, the area that you and I are from is not a rabid college football area in terms of on the field. Off the field, a ton of people watch it. A ton of people love it. Not that many talk about it. It's more of a pro sports area. And if it's if it's college at all, it's college basketball. When college basketball teams in the area are successful, it's a very, very low, small section that, that you know is involved in college football here because it's not you know the hotbed of college football by any means. Uh, you know, Rutgers is in the big in the Big Ten, but always a doormat. Um, and their kids, a bunch of them came down with the virus after going to parties. So they've got a, their own mini pandemic on their hands. How the Big Ten would have handled that? Well, they don't have to because they're not playing. But they may have looked at that as one of the issues. I don't know. But they made a decision. And it doesn't surprise me that, look, calling a spade a spade, the two school, the two conferences that are more, how shall we say, including the institutions of the highest learning, Stanford, Cal Berkeley, Northwestern, Michigan, nothing against the other schools, but those are four incredibly well thought of, highly um, respected academic institutions above the rest, I would say, in in these conferences. And like the Ivy League, they said, we're not playing. Now, are they abiding by science? Are they abiding by health? The combination of the two, but those are the decisions that they made. Whereas the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12, more in the southern area of the country, where football is king, have said, we will play on. Um, We'll see what happens. We'll see what transpires in the next few weeks. They may pull the plug. I will be shocked if the SEC pulls the plug and does not have a full college football season, even if it is just amongst themselves. And who knows, Nebraska, who has said that they want to play somewhere. Uh, and they said this before the Big Ten decided they weren't going to play. Now Nebraska will be looking for a place to play. Who knows? They could play every, fill out everybody's schedule by playing everybody in the SEC, by anybody who needs a game to fill, or the ACC. It is... It is the only sport now that finds itself at odds with itself. All the other sports have played. They found ways to bring other teams who are not even in the playoff mix at the time into the playoff mix, i.e. we know what's happening in the NBA and the battle for the eighth spot in the Western Conference. We've seen what's happened in the NHL with the Blackhawks stunning the Edmonton Oilers and the Canadians doing the same to the Penguins uh, in matchups to move them on uh, to what is now the actual round of eight in each conference. And you know, baseball, everybody's playing, except for my Cardinals, who have been stricken by their own pandemic. So college football is literally at odds with itself. So it's incredib- incredibly intriguing to see what's going to happen with these other two major conferences. Most of the other programs and a lot of the smaller conferences have said you know, they are not going to play. But you know, of the power five, two are out, three are in. We'll see what the situation is the next time we meet a week from now. Well, it's broken off into three groups. It's now players and then the coaches it's the presidents of just solo universities and schools. And then it's the power five conferences, the five of them as a whole, all going up against each other, players versus presidents versus conferences. And I want to go through that timeline a little bit with you from where this started 
and it started in a good way with the players. But before we get into that, it would just be remiss to not just say right off the bat as what the main topic, the headline of all this should be. Because the players can say what they want. The coaches can say what they want. The presidents can say what they want. Mr. Emmert can, he's not going to say anything, let's be real. But if he wanted to say something, he could maybe say something and say what he wants. What we need to understand and what the people that are hating the Big Ten and are hating the Pac-12, putting all the blame on them. The same exact thing that happened, by the way, when the Ivy League was the first to shut down its conference championships and say, we got to get the hell out of here. And we all threw stones, including me. And then all of a sudden, the schools started slowly following in line, and it proved to be the right decision. Now, it's still too early to tell whether or not this is the right decision for college football. But what we have to remember is don't blame your schools. Don't blame the presidents. Don't blame the coaches or the players that opt out. Blame your fucking country. Because in five months, we've done nothing to improve the situation of the country when the NCAA had to cancel its basketball tournaments, when spring sports had to fold, when summer activities had to be canceled, when all of this hit the fan five months ago, nothing has changed in a way that could make us have fall athletics the way we thought we would five months ago. The people that need to make those decisions did nothing in the five months to do everything they possibly can to put everything they possibly could on the table to discuss every scenario possible. So if the worst happened, if the worst was approaching, they would have answers. It took until Monday for the big 10 and other schools to even think about what they would do with the spring schedule. What the hell were you doing for the last five months? Just a week ago, Four conferences released their schedules. Here's what we're going to do to ensure player safety the best we can and get in as many games as we can to have our full seasons. And they gleefully said, here we are, 2020 football. What the hell happened in six fucking days to where two of the conferences today said, we're out, we can't, it's over. And what happened to where three of the conferences say, now what we're seeing we're fine. All five conferences have their own set of medical doctors and personnel and are getting handed different statistics than the other ones. The NCAA as a whole has its own doctors, medical personnel. They're getting their own things. It's amazing that these groups of people don't have enough sense, can't put their pride aside, can't put their selfish ways and monetary once aside for one year to come together and say, how can we make sure we all get what we want? It didn't happen. Well, you, you, you've encapsulized the nation. It's just an extension of the entire nation. It's become so politicized, which we talked about last time we met and folks, we're sorry, but on this show, we say what we believe. We talk what we believe is the truth. Yes, opinion. But th the truth is everything about the virus has become politicized. And it's carried over into the way we've reacted to it. And it's carried over into the results and impact it's had on sports. You know, you say, why did we wait so long? Why couldn't we have everybody on the same page. Well, why couldn't we have everybody on the same page in terms of wearing masks, in terms of social distancing, not just in New York, but everywhere, everywhere that we had large, dense groups of people. Why couldn't we have had a national approach to attacking this virus? Not a Republican approach, not a Democratic approach, but a national attack against the virus approach. The president said, the virus is the enemy. We're fighting a silent war. But we never fought it. We never fought it. We didn't do everything possible to combat it. We didn't all wear masks. We didn't all distance. Because sooner or later, 
the virus is going to get you sooner or later. It's going to get you. It's going to get to you. It's going to it's going to find you in Cedar Rapids. It's going to find you in Cheyenne, just as it found you in Manhattan, just as it found you in Fort Lauderdale, just as it found you in San Diego. It's going to find you at some point in time. If you take the precautions to stomp it out for a two, three, four week period, wear your and continue to wear your mask and continue to distance until it's done, until it's gone. And there's a huge drop off and the curve is flat and they're not reopened too quickly, which is the case of Governor DeSantis, which is the case in Texas, which is the case in California, a Democratic state, by the way. So it's not just Republicans. It's bad decision making on all fronts that put the people's health in peril, that further the possibility for the disease to spread, to come back and spread. And as a result, all of these sports have had to take these massive scenarios to alter their schedules, to alter their styles, to alter their locales. And in this case, many cases, not play at all. The ones who get hurt the most, of course, are the kids because their careers are fleeting. Most of their careers are gone in the blink of an eye. At most, they're four years in college. Some get to go on to the pros. We know that's an t- incredibly small percentage, maybe 1%. My son's already lost the college baseball season. He may lose another. I don't know if they're going to play in the spring. I sure as hell hope so, but who knows right now? Fortunately, it's baseball and not football, but the point is everything we've done has been bass-ackwards with respect to what we've done, failed to do on our approach to combating this disease. We've had no unanimity. There had to be one voice. Attack how we're going to attack it. Believe in science. Believe in the doctors. Put away the blue states. Put away the red states. One nation under God. Indivisible. With liberty and justice for all. Fighting with each other against the disease the likes of which we have not seen for 100 years. And now it's too late because we've already lost approaching 200,000 lives. We've already lost people we love. We've already lost people that we care about. We've already lost relatives, friends, and from a totally secondary scenario, we have lost, obviously, a great deal of our sports. Our kids have lost their games. Our kids have missed their friends. And it's all attributable to the disease and our failure as a nation, as a people, as a whole, to attack it together. Because we don't seem to be able to do anything together. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. The NCAA shouldn't have been in the position to have to make the types of decisions they had to make this past week, but shame on them for thinking this was going away and there would be no way they'd have to make these decisions. Even just being half prepared would have been better than not being prepared at all, and unfortunately, that's what the narrative seems to be with what's coming out because they're still hiding a ton of things. The big 10 and the PAC 12 have all these medical things that they're following, which is great. And I believe them, but they're not showing the public, which would just lead the public to have more hatred of how are you seeing these things when these three other conferences are. But as we said, we'll try to go through these as quick as we can, but at least hit on all three different aspects of this, this war, this battle that has come about in NCAA athletics for the fall sports. You mentioned unity for the country. It was amazing to see that the unity that the NCAA needed, the unity that football needed, that fall sports needed came not from the presidents or the coaches or the power five conferences. It came from the athletes. It came from the students and it came from the student athletes (laughs) that you wouldn't expect it to come from. I E I don't know the best quarterbacks, that we're going to take the field this year guys 
one in particular, like Trevor Lawrence, who's not going to be around after this season, you would think, saying and leading the charge of, we want to play. The five conferences players come out with this, this pamphlet in a sense. They went down to the church and nailed it to the door, Al. A little history for everybody. These are our demands. These are our beliefs. Hashtag we are united. Hashtag we want to play. And they said it in the first sentence. We want to play football this season. Establish universal mandated health and safety procedures and protocols to protect college athletes against COVID-19 among all conferences throughout the NCAA. Give players the opportunity to opt out and respect their decision. Guarantee eligibility, whether a player chooses to play this season or not. Use our voices to establish open communication and trust between players and officials. Ultimately create a college football players association representative of the players of all power five conferences. It was incredible statements from 18, 19, 20 year old kids from kids that are thinking ahead to the future of their teams, of their conferences, of their sport when they might be getting out of Dodge within the next year. They're playing four or five months and they're going to hopefully greener pastures, but they're standing up for what they believe in. And they sent the conferences in a tizzy. Oh my God. We have to have these, these meetings. What what do these players want? I don't know what the future of this will be because as we know, the divide between the NCAA and the amateurism that these students play under is vast it seems like it's closing, but I'll be damned if we're not going to see the NCAA try their darndest to make sure it stays where it's at and to keep these athletes away from most of the demands that they want. But at least it's being talked about. So we have to start there with the players. Some opted out, and that's their right, and that's their belief, and that's perfectly fine and accepted by everyone. If you don't feel safe playing this year, don't play. But if you believe you've been doing everything that you've been told to correctly by the safety and medical professionals, the protocols your school has, and you're comfortable wanting to play, and you're a 20 something athlete looking around at your teammates saying, Hey man, you feel all right doing this? Yeah, let's do it. They voiced their opinion and said, we want to play taking the onus off of them and saying, all right, NCAA, all right, power five conferences. All right, Prez's it's your move. I thought it was incredible. I don't think we've, we've seen this strong. We've seen movements from schools and from specific teams, but for the five power conferences to have one unified letter like this and have some of the more prominent players from the sports speak up in favor of it, once these rumors started swirling, they moved quickly on this. Unfortunately, I thought it came too late, both this and the demands from the Pac-12 and the Big Ten that we had a week or so ago, but it was at least something, and it was, it was powerful. Look, these are kids who know that uh, for a good chunk of them, this is it, and they pour their hearts and their souls into this the amount of time that is devoted to their training and their physical conditioning, you know, uh, that's cool. That's cool. Forget about school for a second. Physical condition, the training, my son's a division three baseball player. He trains constantly. He's either at the gym or he's practicing. This is not a division one football player, division one, basketball player. It's a Division three baseball player. The time that they devote to physical conditioning, training, and practice, I don't care what anybody says, leaves them such little time for school. So to balance those two things and be a student athlete is incredibly difficult. They have great passion for this, so they wouldn't be doing it. You know, do you think every kid who plays firmly believes he's going on to the next level? Of course not. 
no matter how good you think you are, there are some out there who are playing just for the love of the game, knowing that this is it. And those are the ones that you feel the most for. It doesn't matter what the sport is, you know, especially the seniors whose career is going to come to an end. It is heartbreaking to end like that. You don't get to end it on the field. You get to end it with an announcement. You get to end it never knowing what that last season could have been. Never knowing you have a chance at the brass ring. Never knowing this may be the the season where you finally get to hit the field after three years of being on the practice squad or three years of being a backup or three years of being a walk-on. And now it's all gone because of this pandemic, because of the unfortunate way we have failed in dealing with it and the fact that it has crippled sports as we know it, especially at the college level. Because the other concern, of course, at the college level is the fact that these aren't professionals and these are someone else's guys under which you are playing. This is someone else's watch under which you are playing. This is not the NFL. This is not the NBA. This is not MLB. This is a totally different scenario where an institution of higher learning is responsible for you. And as a result, you have to deal with the fact that there is a separate entity that is concerned about, yes, the players, but in all probability, concerned about themselves and their potential liability should something happen to these players as a result of this, this scenario, which is not in any way, shape, or form the case with any of the professional sports. And the unfortunate part is, at least as far as we know, that liability fear won't carry over until the school year because classes are coming close to starting, if not already started. Students are back at these institutions. For example, Notre Dame had everybody come back this past weekend. They were back Monday. What's Harder, I'm sure, for the student athletes in the fall sports is thinking, well, we can't play our respective sports because of this pandemic. You try as hard as you possibly can just to wrap your head around that, that your your senior season potentially is over, your regular season's over. It doesn't matter what year it is. You're still losing a season. Maybe you'll get it back in the spring, but we know how difficult that's going to be and how much is going to change for that to happen. I mean, just on the football side, you're probably going to have to cut the season in half, play maybe six games. There's ways to do it, but even that's stuff that the Power Five conferences are going to have to think about, and we know how good they've been so far about thinking about the future. So God only knows what's going to come when that ship hits the dock. But you're looking around campus and thinking, we can't go play sports, but all these kids can be here taking classes. We showed the school what we could do in the summer months when we had to come here for conditioning. We did everything right. Scores of schools are getting tested with their fall teams and coming out all negative. There's been hiccups. There's been obviously parties and and things that should have been happening that shut complete athletic programs down. But the hard part has to be now going to class and being around these kids thinking, why can they do what they want to do? And we can't do what we want to do. When to this point, we've done it right. For the most part, for the majority of the schools, they've brought their athletic fall teams back and they've been fine. That has to be one of the more frustrating parts because if you look at the school and say, well, if you won't let fall sports happen, why are you letting classes happen too? If we can't go play our sports because you're afraid we're going to be too close to each other, we won't be able to social distance on the field. We won't be able to wear masks. What other excuses they came up with? How come you're letting everything else happen? Send everybody home then. That has to be the frustrating part. And the athletic teams, from my knowledge, will still get to practice or use the athletic facilities. 
and will still get tested here and there. They're still going to kind of be looking out for the athletes, but they won't have their fall seasons. Having to wrap your head around this, especially just weeks leading into having to take class. I can't imagine the situation that these athletes are in getting dealt these things within a, a three to four to five day span. It's just been a whirlwind of, we have no idea what we're doing. We're trying to keep our head to the grindstone and not hear the rumors and just focus on our sports. And then you rip them away from us. And now we got to go to class with these people. That might be the reason that you ripped the sport away from us. It's tough, man. It, it, there's no other way to say it. It's tough. It's look, it, it's turned our country and the globe upside down. We have such an emphasis on sports here. We like to think we're the only ones. We're not. You look at other nations. Uh, they have a huge emphasis on sports. Some are different than ours in terms of the sports that are so important to them. But the point is, uh, I, I believe here that you know, our college sports is far more impactful is whether it's basketball, baseball, and obviously, you know, college football plays a much greater role in the United States than it does anywhere else in the world. And college football front and center. We have no idea what's going to happen with college basketball coming up next. So, you know, you always feel for the kids. Uh, because of the fact, as I said before, their time frame is limited. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. The first scenario was how can we put these kids on the field if we're not going to send the kids back to school. Now it's the reverse, which you just mentioned. We're going to send the kids back to school, but we're not going to put the kids on the field. How can we do that safely? Are all these kids going to wear masks? Are all these kids going to distance? We saw what happened in Georgia. Kids went back to high school, no masks. They said, you know, we we can make you wear shoes, sneakers and not little flip-flops we can make the girls wear certain tops or send you home but we can't make you wear masks figure that out and as a result spread like wildfire throughout the high school the superintendent can't mandate masks why can't you why can't you make it optional that's the problem that's the problem the health the safety and the welfare should be the main primary Concern, number one, health, safety, and welfare over those over whom you are responsible. And that should mandate that masks be worn the second you leave the house. If you don't like it, stay home. And nobody seems to want to have the balls to put it out there. Nobody wants to seem to have the guts to get it done. That's what beats this. We've seen it. We don't have a vaccine. We don't have a cure. When we do have a vaccine, it probably won't be anywhere close to 100% cure either. We do know what works. Masks work. Distancing works. Pretty simple. Pretty simple. But if you're too hard-headed, too thick, too stupid, too asinine to do it, then you will continue to risk yourself, those you care about, those you don't even know. And that will go on for as long as people continue to fight the facts, the scientific facts that this virus is here, it's real, it's not a hoax, it's not a vehicle of a liberal media conspiracy It's a virus that got here, however it did, spread like wildfire. We haven't gotten rid of it. And the only way we're going to get rid of it is to let it die out until we have a vaccine by combating it the way the doctors and the scientists tell us to. And if we can't do that together, we won't get it done until there's a vaccine. And the kids will suffer. And college football will suffer. 
and college football fans will suffer because we won't, they won't get to play it. We won't get to watch it. They love to play it. We love to watch it. We're all losers. We're all losers. We're all victims of the virus and we're all victims of our own failure to do what was best to fight this virus. And when I say our, I mean all of us. I don't just mean me or you who wore masks. I mean all of us as one, as a group, as I said before, because that's how you have to fight it. There can't be any diversity, none. Unanimity, one voice, one approach. It's all that works. It's worked in New York. So we had one voice, we had one leader who laid down the law. Doesn't matter whether you're red or blue, Cuomo, anti-Cuomo, what he did in this state fended off the disease that spread here, starting in New Rochelle and in the city. And we beat it so far. You walk around Westchester, 95% of the people you see are wearing masks. Not 100. There's a straggler here and there. But it's an incredibly high percentage of people wearing masks in this area. That's the way it should be. That's the way it got to be. I used to laugh when I watched the news and see people in Tokyo walking around in masks. Now, a lot of it's got to do with the fact that the air there is so bad, pollution, et cetera. But people walking around in masks. All you you see them in Times Square when they're coming to visit. What are y'all doing with masks on? It's a beautiful summer day. Well, now they're laughing at us, as are most countries across the world. And, and, and you, you are correct. The world is laughing at the United States of America. For college, for college football, they're still not out of the woods yet, obviously, because now the, the hourglass turns to what's going to happen for these three other conferences who are moving forward to start their seasons. From my memory, I think we're a month away from the ACC kicking off. I think the SEC went September 26th and the Big 12, though their schedule will be announced. Well, you'll probably be listening to this and it will be announced. I believe it's coming out tomorrow. I think they're doing September 26th Nobody's closer well. to this than you are. Works for the ACC network on Sirius XM radio. So you are in the midst of this. Tell me what you think is going to happen with the three major conferences are still in and specifically your conference, who, by the way, its leading member is the team quarterback by the star quarterback. You mentioned earlier, Trevor Lawrence and Clemson. Tell me what you think is going to happen. Do you think the ACC and NCC and SEC will remain in step? If you had to put money down in Vegas for the two conferences that would, those are the two. And I think the SEC is number one. There, you would make absolutely no money. You'd have to put $100 million down against the ACC or the SEC, I should say, playing football in 2020. I, I mentioned to uh, before the show to you, this is like the movie Poseidon where everybody's thinking that they're going to get off the ship one way and the mob is going in that direction. And then a group breaks off and says, no, that's not the right way. It's this way. Follow us. Now we're good. Now the first group, the follow us, the follow us group proved to be right. We'll see if the SEC proves to be right, but it'll start to come out slowly, but surely why those two conferences decided that they wanted to put a hold on the fall season. For example, the PAC 12 medical board cited a handful of things, high community spread, cardiac risks, and lack of rapid testing were their main reasons for not wanting to play. Other conferences maybe have those similar things in front of them. I know that uh, the big 10, one of their big reasons was they listed at least 10 players who had myocarditis, which is a rare heart condition, enlargement of the heart. I mean, teams are talking about having their players, regardless of if their season's on or not, having to go get EKGs just to make sure their hearts might be okay. We're playing catch up with that now, the health aspect of things. But if we're looking at can this happen, 
I think the two strongest conferences to try to make it happen would be the SEC and the ACC. I think it's helped by the SEC's football prominence. Their general idea and ideology of we just don't give a fuck about anybody else, we're the SEC, I think will come to the forefront of this. The ACC happens to have, let's say, the best quarterback going for it in 2020, fueling the charge of the players saying we want to play. And John Swafford, the commissioner of the ACC, who's made incredible decisions throughout his career, he's retiring once all this wraps up. So he doesn't really have too much to lose should he decide to put the risk on his conference. And the Big 12 might look at it and say, hey, we have enough schools surrounding those guys. Let's try to make this happen, and we'll have three conferences move forward and play at seasons. Now, my question back to you is, we've mentioned it on the show. You came up with the idea, the T-shirts. The world has an asterisk. So this college football season without two conferences, no shit, it would have an asterisk. But is there enough where they could use these three conferences? We're projecting and potentially saying they could bring in other conferences, not part of the power five or schools that want to break away and get the okay to break away from their conferences like Nebraska pretending that it's, the nineties, Nebraska teams beating people by 50 points, even though they've been trashed the past couple of years, they want to play so bad. All right, Nebraska, show us something. Could we see them throw together what they deem to be the best season and the best college football playoff or because of who controls the college football playoff, where the money comes into the college football playoff? Is there no way they could have anything that is the college football playoff, and they would have to just break off from that even and do something different. How do you, get, how, how do you get a champion? All, 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 all good questions. How do you get a champion? All open for debate and all depending upon, A, how many conferences start the season, B, how many conferences finish the season, C, how many other teams decide to play amongst those conferences. The most overused term that we're sick of hearing applies to this as well. It would be, a fluid situation, ever changing, ever adapting. Can we put that on the back of the T-shirt? A fluid situation. Hashtag not a bad, 2020. Not, not, a, not a bad one either. Oh. We haven't even touched on the soon-to-be NBA playoffs and the finishing of the bubble. Uh. The NHL playoffs, which are now underway and flying, with total success in terms of the infection rate. No positive tests. Everything A-OK north of the border where they've completely beaten the, 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 the coronavirus. Right? North of the border, they are scot-free. They are clear. They have, no, they have no cases. How'd they do it? What'd they do? They listened to their prime minister, Mr. Trudeau, and his stern hand. And he said, you want to know what, Blue Jays, you can't play here. Because everybody you're going to play is coming from across the border. By the way, I don't know if you saw the pictures, but the Buffalo Stadium, their AAA affiliate that they redid to make it seem as though it's home to the Blue Jays, it does look phenomenal. They did a great job making it as similar to a Major League Stadium as they could. So we'll get Blue Jays home games before we might get your St. Louis Cardinals back on the field. You know, it's it's ironic that, you know, when I talk to people about what was going to happen with baseball and the fighting and the kicking and the screaming. And, you know, if they don't come back, I'm not coming back. They can't put an agreement on the table. And then once they were ready to, you know, health and safety, first and foremost, you don't want to see any teams have their seasons gets ruined. You don't want to see anybody, uh, any particular player you know, have you know, severely affected by the virus and failing health. And how much I talked about that's the worst case scenario. And lo and behold, does it happen to my favorite team? Who folks is now two and three. Uh, Two wins, three losses, even in the loss column with the Cubs, but about 10 games back in the win column <laughs> because they because they haven't played in uh, upward of two weeks now and have a plethora amount of games to make up, and they will be the test case for uh, the winning percentage scenario and rationale, and will there be eventually 
a minimum number of games that a team is required to play. I have to believe that eventually he's going to have to set a number. You know, Cardinals come out of the box. I jerkly said five and oh, can they get in? Can, can they get in at seven and three? Um, Ten games enough? They're going to have to set a minimum, I think, at some point in time. Whether it's 50 games, whether it's 45 games, you can't have a team go into playoffs that's 20 and 10 when everybody else is playing 60. I agree. And it's a terribly unfortunate predicament to be in, no question. But I don't want to say you have to make sacrifices, but if, if you make the games that you have to play, as you said, 45 and or 50, and they can't hit that number as valiant as they try to, because then they'll just be playing it, Like we've been talking about the baseball season. It'll just turn into a, a high school travel tournament. Saturday, Sunday, they'll, 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 be, be, they'll be playing two day double double and triple, double and triple a players. Absolutely. Well, look, if you got to do that and you can do it safely, you do it. Right. Right. If you, and if then you they, that's, you fell victim of the virus for whatever reason. You know, somebody wasn't careful. There's been no confirmation that anybody went to a casino or, you know, anybody went to a club. But, you know, if you went out to grab a bite to eat, you got it for somebody. If you got it for one of your family members, you don't know. And it's spreading. And once it gets into the locker room, it spreads like wildfire. And that's exactly what's happened to the Cardinals. Every day is a new player or, or, or a new member of the traveling party that yep. tests positive. Well, we had to get this off our chest. And I'm, this will not be the last time we talk about college football. But as we said to start the show, thank God that we have the three other main sports continuing forward. Thank goodness that the next time you hear our voices, we'll be talking NHL playoffs. We'll be talking NBA playoffs. And hopefully for Al's sake, we'll be talking about the St. Louis Cardinals getting back onto the baseball field. Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. Folks, for my partner, the great John Tiny Lund, I am... Al Renato, AKL from White Plains. Have a great and safe sports week, everybody. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>